Okay, guys. All right. Are, so are we ready to talk about the Mayflower? I'm, I'm ready to talk about the Mayflower. I am so excited about this. Yeah, yeah I mean, I it seemed like no it was idea. a pretty arduous journey. Well, yeah. I mean, think about what this guy had to go through, right? I mean, they get there, and everything's going great, right? Until that storm blows in, and that tree falls down and pales him in the side, and then, you know, they think he's dead, but it, the tree, you know, bark is actually kind of causing the blood to coagulate, and then he doesn't really bleed out, and they leave, right, before things get really bad, and he's stuck there. And and he knows he's alive, and they think he's dead, and England thinks he's dead, but he's alive, and he's got to get some way to get back there, right? So what does he do? Well, he looks for his things to help him survive, right? He's got some potatoes that are left over. He plants the potatoes. He grows potatoes. He eats the potatoes. That's all he's eating. All the while keeping some really amazing humor, by the way. I mean, this guy is taking this situation extremely well. And what's he got left? He's got the little dinghy to go, you know, from shore to the to the boat. So he's got to get in that eventually, right? So he packs up his supplies and then he goes off and he knows he's going to find another one of the ships because they came over with lots of ships, right? There was a whole bunch of crossings. There was a whole bunch of landings and all that. And and he, he keeps going, and he's, he's losing his humor, but eventually he gets there. After New England's trying to kill him, I don't know how many times, but he finally finds that ship and gets reunited with that crew in that moment. That moment when they, when they get back together. I mean, that's beautiful. And then only to have to go off to England and then have a successful teaching career. I mean, my God. Brett, do you want to tell him? Eric? Yeah. That's the plot of The Martian. We all just saw that movie, bud. God damn it, this keeps happening! Welcome to Nerds on History, I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Eric Brickmont. And I am Brian Moriarty. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, Robinson Crusoe in space, right? Effectively, yeah. that's yeah. what the Martian was. Yeah, it was awesome. I just realized I'm not nearly as interested in this episode as I thought I was going to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> so thank like you. The Martian was better. Can we talk about the Martian? No, this is not nerds on film. Uh, what we are going to talk about, though, you know, we're in November, right? It's a pretty cool time. I was born in November, so I think it's a pretty sweet month. Uh, but also, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. We all know how much Brian loves Thanksgiving. Um, and so, uh, he suggested that we talk about the Mayflower. Um, now we've talked, you guys have talked before on the podcast about what the first Thanksgiving was really like and the fact that Thanksgiving was, you know. First off, it wasn't the first Thanksgiving. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a Thanksgiving. Yeah, it wasn't like a concept that was completely unheard of. Right. right. <laughs> especially for the Puritans, it was like, hey, let's be thankful for what we've got. Especially since we just survived an incredibly difficult journey and first year uh in the colony because they didn't know how to grow food yeah so people have been harvesting food and then getting really excited about the fact that they had just harvested that food and then eating it for a very long time for pretty much the entirety of human history i just did that last week actually not so much the harvesting but like being thankful for food and like having a lot of it that happens quite frequently in this country i believe you call them fridays yes exactly Yeah, so, I get really excited every single time I go to In-N-Out Burger. Like, <laughs> just... uh, dude, you know what? It's all about the Milpitas Buffet. I don't know if you guys have been there. They're not paying me to say this, but that place is amazing. Okay. It's good. Good, good to know. We're going like once a week now. It's terrible for us, but we're, we're all loving it. That's like the most local joke you think you've made 
ever on this podcast. Yeah, it's not a joke. I'm serious. If you live in the Bay Area, go to Milpitas Buffet. It's awesome. It's the only reason to go to Milpitas. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, there's the Great Mall. Come on now. That that is true. You know the Great Mall has those little like they're like giant scooters that you can jump on top of and ride of, and they're all shaped like horses and panda bears. Mm-hmm. They're fascinating. <laughs> You're just picturing Eric riding around on one of those. Um, Don't have to picture very hard. I'm pretty sure I have a video somewhere. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm going to pull a little bit from Graham Norton. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm okay. You're okay. You're okay. So let's move. Let's move on. Talk about the the Mayflower, as we were were saying, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important because there's a lot. Yes, we've already already talked about there's misconceptions around the first Thanksgiving. There's also just a lot of misconceptions around the voyage that took place. Yeah. in fact, the only things that I can really say are factual that you learned when you went to school is that the Mayflower expedition left England, or I should say left Europe, 1620-ish. Mm-hmm. Rather, they landed in 1620-ish. Uh, and around 1621-ish, they had mm-hmm. their, their their Thanksgiving yeah. meal. That's about it. Bunch of people on a boat landed in America and uh, one of the biggest mi- misconceptions was that, you know, they were Christian. They were actually Satanists. Oh. That's, that's, that part's not true. <laughs> um, sorry. So, first of all, let's talk about one of the biggest reasons, right? Religious freedom. One of the biggest misconceptions about this. So, yes. What was going on in England in that time? King James had come around. And, you know, uh, just to visit people. Just to visit people. Right? Knocking on random doors. And King, King James. <laughs> Handing out Bibles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was, hey, and hey, he was, you know, he was continuing what Elizabeth had done with Anglicanism and particularly in commissioning the the Bible, the first official Bible to be translated into English, right? So, uh, and the Puritans had already been kind of doing some of this already, but they were feeling like, hey, you know, like you got your stuff not really our thing we kind of want to be able to observe our version of, of well, christianity and what really what it really boiled down to is that they felt that the church of england was really no better than the catholic church at the time yeah even though the church of england and the catholic church were still butting heads and um, catholic people were being persecuted yeah. in as fact, well that's what puritanism was to, meant to do yeah. it was meant to strip yeah. any catholic mm-hmm. derivatives yeah in anglicanism and completely do away with it and, and even though the church of england you know had come into existence at this point it was still very heavily stooped in the traditions of catholicism it wasn't yeah. all that different than the catholic church and so that persecution of anyone who was non-catholic yeah. was yeah. still kind of going on by this point the prayer book had been tr- converted to english mm-hmm. right so it wasn't exactly because the catholics were still practicing the latin mass but um but i mean yes effectively the ritual was the same well and ultimately also it- there actually is a difference between um, there were there were English Puritans who you know every like a lot of a lot of people who were very dissatisfied with the Church of England at that point. There were Puritans who were there, but those ones were actually more specifically focused on reforming the church, mm. sticking around and reforming. The others were the separatists, and those were the ones that wanted to hightail it. And and go someplace where they wouldn't feel persecuted. Yeah, and they did. And in fact, it was Holland. Yes, they, they went, went to Holland first. Holland first, and they were just like, "Wow, there's all these people here with wooden shoes. We don't, we don't, we, we just can't deal with that." 
because they were because they were dancing they were doing lots of clog dancing well, and... well that and the, <laughs> the, the constant and unnerving turn of windmills everywhere you go my god <laughs> and all the pastries it is just too much and the scenic beautiful land and draped in tulips everywhere and the pot you go brownies so many pot brownies <laughs> everywhere you go you're tripping over shoes and tulips and pot the whole time <laughs> although i do believe the tulips were introduced quite a bit later but still whatever still um, well actually really what it was is you know the holland you know where they were staying in holland was a pretty hip happening town very cosmopolitan uh very forward and progressive thinking and actually um they were kind of like oh this is a bad place for our children yeah it's a bad influence remember we're trying to take them back to to what is a, a very pure stripped down christian life mm-hmm. um so being in a effectively being in holland's form of brooklyn at the time uh they were like we're not down <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then, then they went ahead and hopped on the Mayflower. They did, which was the expedition that set sail. And it was supposed to go somewhere else, actually. So even though, yes, there were the separatists. It was also, like, they set off, were out for a little bit, and had to turn back around because the boat was leaking. Yeah. They had two boats. They had the Mayflower and another. Yeah. And there was, the se- there was the second boat, I can't remember the name of it, that started leaking, so they had to turn back around and cram right. well, everybody on the Mayflower. Well, leaking, yeah. in, in quotes. There, yeah. there are some scholars who believe that the leaks may have actually been caused intentionally mm. uh, because the, the other captain of that ship was not all too keen on the idea of actually going. Uh, that boat ends up re-entering service not all that long later and ends oh, really? up having a very successful career and making its captain nah. a whole lot of money. Are you referring to the Speedwell? Yes, the Speedwell. Yes, the Speedwell. A much better title for a ship, especially yeah. one that's meant to go on a, on a voyage across the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Speedwell was supposed to be the, the companion vessel, actually, to the Mayflower, and it didn't because some dude didn't want to go. Yeah. Um, he wanted to make some money instead. Yeah. And, well, well even though... Supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. supposedly. Supposedly, but probably. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we have these separatists who do want to come to a new land. Really not a new land, because we had already established at this point that America had first off been colonized by, well, let's face it, the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they came over thousands, Many thousands of, years of years before that. Before yeah. that. So, hi, surprise. Not only that. <laughs> already also, populated land. Exactly. Yeah. Not only that, but there's also the Vikings mm-hmm. who had settled and had actually colonized, but didn't last very long there for there various was, reasons. But there was also the Massachusetts Bay Colony was already there. Exactly. So it wasn't like it was and wasn't a whole Jamestown new... already there too, or was that a little bit later? Jamestown was a little later, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, there were people in Virginia at the time too. Well, well, thank you for talking about that. So let's—that's the actual point I was going to make—is that even though they were going to this new land to escape persecution, it wasn't like they were going rogue. King James basically said, "Hey, you know what? We got this colony that you can go mm-hmm. to called Virginia, which is not to be mistaken for the state of Virginia, though it was certainly part of it. It was a much bigger area uh, that was considered the Virginia colony." And that's where they were, they were yeah. being allowed to go. So James Fort was established very much earlier in, in uh, 19, well, not very much, but in 1907. Or, sorry, 1907? 16, dyslexia, sorry. 1607. Okay. Uh, so there was definitely people in right. what would become Jamestown. I yeah. think Jamestown may have actually more fully developed by 1616, but mm-hmm. still, 
it, there was hadn't been people here for very long before this, but still. People but there, there were people yeah. here, and yeah. it's not so. There were people here who were here settling. Yes. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, since you they mentioned Jamestown. They weren't the Jamestown, first freaking settlers. We have to issue a small, and this is totally out of left field, we have to issue a small correction. When we were talking about apocalypse theories and Eric referred to Jamestown, he was actually referring to Jonestown. Oh, did I say Jamestown? He said Jamestown I am accident. sorry, Virginians. Yeah, it's like there's a massacre in the House of Burgesses. Just <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't, they just, they didn't, no, it's not drink the Kool-Aid. Um... <laughs> Burgesses everywhere are dead. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. Mocking our democracy. Uh, or at least the And all the, the poor people who, and all the died, people who died in Jonestown. Well. And yeah. that's the that's the part that's making us go, mm. Yeah, thanks, Brian. We, we appreciate that. <laughs> you can direct your hate mail to Brian Moriarty. At nerdonomy.com. At nerdonomy.com. Actually, it's just Brian.com. You know, <laughs> if people can make drugs by Hitler, I'm just saying. So That is true. Uh, but not about the people who died. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, just apologize to our listeners. I am sorry. I am Brian Moriarty. And I, I am Brian Moriarty. I apologize. <laughs> if you listen to Nerds on Film, you now know that I have just as dark and twisted of a sense of humor as my brother. I just, ex- I just express it differently. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Moving back to the Mayflower, mm-hmm. as it turns out, not the House of Burgesses. Uh, we. Uh, so yeah. So they they set sail from Southampton, England. There's a joke that Eddie Izzard says that they set sail from Plymouth and landed in Plymouth. How lucky is that? <laughs> um, not true at all. Uh, it's disputed, but yeah. it seems far un, far less likely these days that they actually left from Plymouth. Yeah. Uh, the the research that I did indicated that the water that they had taken on, the fresh water they had taken on at Plymouth, uh, turned out to potentially be contaminated with cholera. Uh, and so they abandoned That's it. That's fun. Yeah, and then instead picked up... Um, water at their their actual last port uh newland in uh, cromwell yeah and uh, in fact there is an, indeed a plaque stating that now now it doesn't necessarily mean it's true but there's a plaque and those folks in that area believe that they definitely yes. set them up for at least as much success as they were likely to have yes um but um you know yeah who wants cholera water I'm I don't. Like, I don't know. But you know. <laughs> but you know what I want? I want beer because that was there was plenty of that on the Mayflower. Yes. Uh, we've talked about this many times. Uh, alcoholic beverages like wine and beer, uh, and maybe so, I don't know if they even really have yet gotten distilling down to a science at this point. But yes, some distilled stuff too. But particularly wine and beer were were cleaner than water, and they had not realized that it was the boiling process yet that had actually killed the bacteria that was in it them not knowing that just knowing that hey i drink this and i don't get sick or die this and i feel kind of buzzed let's go forward with that (laughs) um that's what they drank and it wasn't as heavy of an alcohol content as we had today it's much more online with non-alcoholic beer right but enough to kill anything that may have been inside you it's what most people in the world would have drank if they didn't have access to completely clean water. Exactly. Just like the ancient Egyptians. They, they brewed the same kind of stuff. And in Egypt today, there's a saying among Egyptologists, a beer a day keeps the doctor away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And calling yeah. back to our uh, It Keeps the Doctor Away episode. Yep. Uh, so suffice it to say, uh, since they were fans of the beer, uh, when they ran out, they kind of panicked a little bit. Because they had drinking all their beer by Christmas, and so they had to they had to actually cut their trip short and land. And again, because this was their primary source of drinking liquid, mm-hmm. they they needed to because otherwise they were going to die of thirst. Yeah, well, and 
let's also not forget it's like crossing the Atlantic's not a really easy journey. Nope. And because they were delayed a few months, they actually left during the wrong time of year. Yeah. And they were dealing with storms out the wazoo. And like so people were constantly seasick. Um you know everywhere. Yeah. Actually there was, you know, a story of somebody being tossed overboard. Um they were saying he was tossed over because the wind was so bad, other people just say that he was tossed overboard because he was a foul mouthed sailor. Um and the uh separatists were not a fan. <laughs> being, being that they were Puritan, I can see why. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also worth mentioning something that oftentimes gets overlooked in the story of the Mayflower, which is the actual ship itself. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting boat if you you know examined a little bit of its yeah, history. Yeah, why don't you tell us about boats, Eric? As you all know, I love boats. <laughs> I adore them. I spend most of my time on the water in my nightmares. And <laughs> um, I'm sure I'll dream of the Mayflower tonight in a cold sweat. Uh, I hate boats. I really do. I think they're Bobbing horrible things. Bobbing back and forth, vomiting forever. Oh, my God. So. Worst thing ever. And it's not to say that Eric doesn't understand the value of boats in history. No, actually, I don't understand the value of boats. I think you could have gotten anywhere you needed to go by land or much shorter, you know, voyages across the sea than than this was necessary. This was totally unnecessary. I'm sorry. It just was unnecessary. Okay. Well, but now you know his bias, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. It's because of boats and nothing else. So let's talk about the boats. Let's talk about it. Let, well, let's talk about this boat. Okay. Because the Mayflower, by the time it had left England, on its way to you know the New World, it was already an aging ship that was kind of coming up towards the end of its usefulness. And it was not the grand and exotic galleons that you might be imagining that we oftentimes see depicted in those little cartoon stories they're supposed to teach us when we learn about this in like the fourth grade or whatever. Uh, instead, it was a pretty traditional merchant ship, but it did have you know, four decks. It did have a rather large castle-like structure built upon it, it to accommodate the crew. It had a sauna. It had um, an absolutely lovely acupuncturist on there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good times. Yeah. Um, none of those things are true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it had a water slide. I think you're thinking of the love boat, actually. <laughs> the love flower. The Mayflower. <laughs> we'll be making another run. <laughs> <laughs> But this ship was um, was not nearly as glamorous as I think people imagine it to be. It was about a hundred feet from aft to uh, st- uh, stern. Stern. Yes, thank you. I again hate boats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it had a cargo capacity of about 180 tons, so it could definitely carry the 135 odd passengers and 30 crew that the Mayflower was was you know registered to have carried. Now, some people dispute that number, and there are some suggestions that some people. You know, may have those numbers might be a little off, but regardless, it was going to be a cramped trip on this boat. Um, it also didn't have a wheel. I just thought that was interesting. I, no I don't, steering wheel. No, no, no wheel. But it certainly did have um, its its rudder control. Uh, so someone's just like at there with a joystick, basically, just like pretty much. It's a great big staff, and if you you know move yeah, it to the left, like, like the, in the Princess Bride. Yes, it's it. exactly like that. Okay. Now Brian understands. Then there was one point where they found this another smaller ship with and the man dressed entirely in black yeah. following them. Right. And one of the captain, I believe, said, he's right on top of us. Yeah. I wonder if he's using the same yeah. wind we are using. Yeah. But most of the time, we have to actually pause the episode and relate what we're talking about to the Princess Bride before Brian completely comprehends. Yeah. We just thought we'd leave it in this time. It was. Mm-hmm. It would be fun. Yeah. As and you were, wish. And, and, there were, and there were eels, too. And there were eels. Yeah. Oh, of course. 
But it's also worth mentioning that the ship did not do well in extreme winds. And so the weather conditions that Sarah's... It did not do well in extreme winds. It's a wind-powered vessel. How is that possible? Uh, Because extreme winds are bad. Okay. Strong winds are good, but extreme is bad. Okay. So the storms that Sarah is talking about were a huge problem. It was really hard to sail. In fact, this journey took an entire extra month longer than necessary to get there. Which would also explain why they ran out of beer. Oh, yeah. Because of the the unfortunate design of the boat and the weather conditions that they were involved in. Right. So this was not a glamorous ship by any means. Nope. Yeah. So where did they actually land, ladies and gentlemen? The belief is Plymouth Rock near Cape Cod. Well, Cape Cod is closer to it massachusetts for certain um but definitely about 200 miles north of where they were supposed to uh and that's what they were actually concerned about it was they because when you hear about the mayflower compact it was it wasn't even about yes it was they say it's one of the earliest forms of democracy that we can see here not really because they mentioned king james Mm mm-hmm as their dread sovereign meaning they didn't like him very much but they acknowledged that they was he was their king and they did that because to ensure the crown that they were not committing an act of treason yeah. by going in unauthorized land. Like, it was an accident. Like, pardon my term, but they were trying to save their asses. Exactly. <laughs> quite, no, it's quite accurate. Yeah. Um, and it's more likely that they landed to a place called Anguum, uh, which is near the present town of Ipswich. Yes, there is now the bay that is now known as Plymouth Bay, but at the time it was not known as that basically now, you've all been lied to oh yeah since kindergarten oh yeah yep and keep in mind also at that time uh this was a merchant ship they didn't know what was on it even though it was primarily ferrying passengers so they had to assume uh, anyone coming across it would rightfully assume that it was carrying 180 gallons of wine which was very common in fact for a ship of this type and so this ship was, i want to go to there 180 oh. barrels of wine to be more specific Gallons? Because 108 gallons is, would not take up 108 tons. Right. 180 barrels of wine, excuse me, with, with many gallons at each each of those barrels. Yes. Excuse me. Still I misspoke. want to go to there. That's okay. Yes. Um, Fun fact, folks, in shipping. Sorry to cut you off. A barrel is actually not the vessel. The vessel name is actually a cask. A barrel is actually a unit of measurement. A barrel is two casks worth of volume. So in other words, Brian's trying to say Eric is very wrong. Thank you, Brian. We're just saying lots and lots of wine was expected. <laughs> yes. And they did not deliver, so they were pretty pissed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I would be too. Any pirate that came across the ship would be pretty pissed. Yeah, they're like, where's the rum? Yeah. Why is the rum gone? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but that was a very real threat as well, and these was not lost on these folks. So they were pretty well armed. Uh, they had several cannons on board, uh, quite a few munitions, and in fact, upon landing... Uh, they also took out four of the guns and used them to set up their colony to protect them against defenders Man, or those, to invaders. So those Puritans were packing. They were packing. They were packing heat. So it's it's interesting to note because it's another one of those uh, you know things that is overlooked but makes perfect sense. I mean, obviously they're going to be an armed ship that they're ex- be expected to spend. Yeah, they're a mercantile vessel, sea. and piracy is the most frequent you know malady of any mercantile vessel. Of course, absolutely, like yeah. you said. So. And the trip over actually, you know, was surprisingly good to them and that they only lost two people. Only two people died on the trip over. It was once they got there that things didn't go too well. Mm-hmm. Two people? What do you mean two people? Well, one was thrown overboard, as we talked about. Yeah. And the other one just died of sadness. <laughs> <laughs> 
But everyone got really uncomfortably sick, though, again, because of the treacherous waters and the stormy season. So that covers, I think, a decent chunk, if not not quite all of it. But I will say there's a couple other things we can talk about as far as the misconceptions go. You know what I think would be really interesting to talk about, actually, though, is some of the semen on the Mayflower. Oh, wow, Sarah. Some of us are still in fifth grade. <laughs> the, crew yes, the, the crew. Yes, the crew. The oh, crew. To be more specific. Them. Them. Yeah. Yes, Let's indeed. talk about that, please. That's yeah. far less uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, Eric, do you want to talk about the captain? Sure. So Captain Christopher Jones, uh, you know, he was approximately 50 years of age, uh, a seasoned and experienced pilot uh, or captain of a ship for, for several years. Um, was also, uh, you know, an experienced businessman and knew his way around a ship. So mm-hmm. they're probably quite lucky, actually, to have someone as experienced as him uh, to be willing to take them uh, when they decided to leave as well. And wasn't he? He was a part owner of the ship, too, right? He was. He owned one-fourth of the ship, uh, the front. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, right? Probably. Although, <laughs> there's a one-in-four chance. <laughs> Eric, we love you. <laughs> but um, um, no, you know he's he's an interesting element of all of this, but not nearly as interesting as the master's mate, John Clark. Dude, this guy was a badass. Yeah. Um. So when he, by the time he was on the Mayflower, he was already forty five years old. Um. But he had lived a pretty full life up to this point, filled with adventure. He actually started um his his ship driving career piloting if you will um that's where the term piloting came from yep yep um in 1609 and um in 1611 he piloted a a 300 ton ship to the new world on his first time there to jamestown to jamestown um and then he's uh and then he came back and he was going through um oh it was while he was in jamestown i'm sorry while he was in jamestown um, he was actually taken prisoner in a confrontation with the Spanish, and he, well, he was, was traveling to the Caribbean. I yeah, believe, when he when that confrontation took place, um, yeah. to Dom- Dominica, which is now in the islands that make up, of course, you know, the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And so he was held in Havana for two years, and then he was uh, then transported to Spain, so back to Europe. And he was held there for five years, and he didn't even get back to England until 1616 when they did an exchange, with, like, for another prisoner. That's insane. Yeah. And then after all of that, just two years later, he's back on another ship to Jamestown. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, didn't get enough the first time. Yep. And then back to England, and sure enough, ends up in, in the nineteen or the 1620 trip to... to I just want to say, he was probably the most interesting person in London at that point because he had been to the new world how many times by that point yeah several exactly (laughs) i like i seriously imagine like a like gristled old man who's just like he doesn't talk much but when he does he like gives you some like really dark stories he is the most interesting man in london (laughs) (laughs) i don't always drink beer but But when when i I do it's practically (laughs) (laughs) non-alcoholic and we run out yeah (laughs) (laughs) now we know why he was drinking his sorrows away the entire trip. um there was also you know a a pretty well-established surgeon who went uh who went on the mayflower with them um 
And, you know, he he actually helped the pilgrims make it through that first winter. Yeah. Um, tending for the ill um, and trying to help care for them. And, and he, he stuck it out through the whole winter with them before he went back on the Mayflower and turned around in April when a good chunk of the crew left, but not everybody. Some some of the crew stayed behind. Yeah, there were there was uh, about 36 uh, crewmen who, who were on board. Um, and a, a decent number of them decided that it wasn't worth the trip back. And I don't really blame them considering how the, the ship performed on the travel, on the trip over, I should yeah, say. Yeah, well, the trip was awful before. And plus, also, I mean, that's going to be a pretty hard trip back as it is, because as it is, their resources have already been, you know, deteriorated. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, it's funny to think because we don't think about, at least I'm just, this is my own personal experience, but... I never thought that anybody would want to go back because of the circumstances that they were in when they landed, because it had been such a hard trip. Who yeah. would, who could go back to England at that point? Did he, people even want to go back? But, I mean, logically it does make sense, especially if it's a mercantile vessel. Like, that was just a job. They yeah. have to go back to port to get another job. Yeah. Otherwise, they yeah. don't get paid anymore. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I also imagine that a lot of the crew would have formed a pretty tight bond with some of the people that they were traveling over with, right? There were probably some babies made on that <laughs> on that trip. I mean, I am kind of waiting for, like, the, the HBO or the Stars special, the super sexy version of the Mayflower Crossing. That would be actually kind of cool. The May- Mayflower with boobs. <laughs> or Mayflowered. <laughs> May deflowered. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, in all seriousness, though, people like John Eldon, who was actually a relative of the captain, was in, was responsible and in charge of maintaining the supplies and the food for the passengers. So he would have had a pretty intimate relationship with all of the passengers on board. Yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> and forming a friendship and bond like that, I could see why someone like him would decide to, to stay. Can I go back to another one of the most common myths about the pilgrims in general? Sure. Well, first off, what's the first thing you imagine when you imagine a pilgrim? Buckles. Uh, yeah, buckles and tall hats and 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 lots of emo colors like black. Black and maybe white for the collars in their shirts, right? Yeah. And that is kind of true on Sunday because black and white were the kind of, you know, clothes that again the Puritans would wear to church. Um but the clothing was actually a lot more colorful. There were reds, there were grays that were used in color. I mean, gray is not that. I mean, yeah, it's just like, neutral. Hmm. It's that in between. Case in <laughs> How point, ostentatious. There, there were some, like I said, there were some colors of red. There were some colors of brown. There was, there was definitely more of a, of a spectrum. Well, there were navies. There were, bl- you know, blues and, Indigo, and levels. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it goes back to the idea of, of understanding really trying trying to interpret art yeah we'll get to that in a second the other thing that is a big misconception about the pilgrims is that they were these kind of humorless uptight people which is totally not true because you know even if you do look at their clothing and stuff like that definitely adorned with a lot of glitter like more than you would imagine (laughs) (laughs) in fact uh bedazzling has its origins yes 
in the Plymouth colony. In fact, instead, just replace buckles with rhinestones. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually what the pilgrims look like. There's actually a specific point where this misconception was created, which was with the author H.L. Mencken. And he defined Puritanism as the haunting fear that someone somewhere may be happy. <laughs> so i like that guy <laughs> yeah so because of that we had this very funereal um, uh, imagination about the pilgrims that they're they just look somber and that their life is all about work and their life is all about using that as service to the god now keep in mind were they a slightly less fun version of christianity compared to other denominations yes they were a, a people who believed in the abstract word Worshipping the word, not the idol, which is what they had viewed Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So, yes, a Puritan church was a much more austere church because they wanted to pull their focus again toward the cross, if they even had the cross. It was, again, and that's also why when you go to these Puritan churches, you would notice a lot of effort put on the pulpit, mm -hmm. you know, an elevated pulpit. It was, there was a lot of just, there was so much emphasis on that and that... And but the, virtually no decoration. Exactly, but, but that the also then that the ministers were were orators too. Mm -hmm. They were really good at. They gave very long and very impassioned sermons. So humorless. I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that because they were also they had festivals. Yeah, I mean it's it's what are you finding joy in? They're not finding joy in more frivolous, potentially sinful activities, but instead. Um, found joy with their family and, you know, in, in, in festivals and revelry that yeah. were more religiously skewed. And it's not like they were practicing a 1621 version of Footloose. They actually enjoyed <laughs> dancing. Too. Like they, that was, that was their, yep. they hated theater, but they loved music and dancing. Yeah. Just, you know, arm length dancing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Precisely. I'm going to see daylight between you two. <laughs> Careful. Careful now. Uh, now, now here's here's my question. When they were angry, did they go dance in a warehouse? <laughs> <laughs> Puritan flash dance. Here you go. Puritan footloose. Yep. Oh my god. Stars, seriously, listen to our show. We're we giving you <laughs> we're giving you gold right now. We or expect that's, that's royalties. Actually, that's more of a CW show. Is that like, yeah? It's more of the puritanical dance competition or show, whatever. Um, harvest dance. So. Uh, so just, they, it's just while you're dancing, don't you dare show your ankles. Right. And also, I mean, the Puritans, because of beer, they also drank cider, too. Like, they, mm -hmm. th these were not the modern-day conception of a very, like, dry and very, like, mm -hmm. no-fun Christian. Again, the, the, they were trying to reform Anglicanism. They weren't trying to, like, be... Reform fun? Yeah. They weren't, like... <laughs> exactly. They weren't trying to be, like, the Essenes, if we yeah. want to make an ancient reference, where they would just be cloistered and, like living the most rigid lifestyle possible yeah in order to to find purity you know yeah no and people people had you know they would make dolls and and play games and and have stuff to do you know and it's not like just work and then sit around and read the bible yeah. and clearly they were they were a fan of the, of the color red because of the scarlet letter oh yeah right, right? <laughs> <laughs> they loved sewing it on people's you know dresses mm -hmm. um that part was just more of an extrapolation. Yes. <laughs> uh, just wanted to emphasize that. Uh, please do. <laughs> so I think I have something to contribute towards the end of this, because I think we're, we're kind of reaching our, uh, our, our end of Limit. this journey. Yeah. 
But I think it is an interesting note that, you know, while certainly some folks decided to stay behind, um, it wasn't to say that this colony left, left all contact and that people couldn't leave or come further. In fact, this would continue to grow as a colony despite the rather terrible deaths they did suffer the first year they were, they were there. About half of them ended up actually not surviving that first winter. But mm, um, yeah. later ships would contribute more colonists. In fact, um, not that much later, about a year later, uh, the arrival of the Fortune brought with it 35 new colonists who brought them up to about 85 at that point. And shortly... That's like a booming city right there. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it's starting to get bigger, um, certainly. And the arrival of the Anne and the Little James in 1623 would eventually bring further colonists um, bringing that total up to somewhere about 180 by mid-1623. Right. So the Mayflower was just the first of these I feel like journeys. I, had, I feel like I had more people in my graduating class, though. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, what I find most interesting is actually in August of 1629 with the arrival of another ship, the Mayflower. Again, like the sequel? Kinda. Like the Mayflower, the search for Curly's gold? No, this is Mayflower more like... Mayflower 2, like, Electric Boogaloo? No, it's more like uh, Mayflower 2, Cruise Control. Oh. So oh, not so much more sense. Not, yeah. not the same bus. Um, Dude, that's a way better subtitle. Hands, high five. That was pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We did high five. It just he's across the table, so we couldn't. Really it was a very. There. It was a very light tap. We yeah. touched hands. Is what we did. That was not a high five. Oh, you no. touched hands like pilgrims do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. Wow, she went Shakespeare on you. I went Romeo and Juliet on you right high now. High five. Uh, wow, the the whiplash on that was like. You want to do it again? Wink. <laughs> the whiplash on that almost hit my hand to my face. I was like, Jesus. Can we I just... almost had to take Sarah to the hospital. Can I just say? Great radio. <laughs> um, no, this was actually a different ship, completely different ship, different crew, not the same captain, um, but same name. So it was Mayflower. a reboot is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, it was pretty much a reboot. Yeah. Uh, but it brought another 35 people who joined the colony. They really love this number of 35. It was convenient, I guess. Yeah. Well, so there's one other thing I wanted to share too, which is, and it goes back to understanding the perception and um and i meant to say this before when we were talking about interpreting art and i didn't get a chance to come back to it is most people have that perception about the colonists from like the painting that shows the first thanksgiving and people look at an artist's rendering and they think that it's like oh that's a tableau of what really happened a tableau of that is never what really happened it is always an artist's rendering what exactly and it's you lie. And it's always depicted as an artist's rendering. And artists tend to use caricature, not like Hirschfeld, where they give like people, where he gives everyone like eyebrows and they're huge and hair and all that stuff that's larger than life. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is you use the most, the image that you most commonly associate with mm -hmm. that thing or that people to create your vision. Is it right? Not necessarily, because it could also be offensive if you don't do it carefully enough. But in the case of what we saw as that tableau and what has now been burned into our memories collectively as the first Thanksgiving, that's what it was used. And that's what I mean, it was also, keep in mind, I don't think it was made in America, was it? Was that? I think that might have been made somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So and I'm not speaking for the artists, but when, I just want to caution you listeners 
about when it comes to misconceptions and you use hearsay and you use paintings and you use other forms of media to uh, justify your your position on something. I'm getting kind of serious here for a second. Is to question it, even regardless of how reputable you think the source is, there's probably still a bias behind that source. There's so, even bias behind eyewitness accounts of people in these situations, like in historical situations. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. All you must always think there is another side, another perception to it. Um, and basically, what we're saying is, even what we're saying could be BS. Well, not me. <laughs> what I'm just not, saying not me. is, if the rest of you guys. I'm just saying, if you're going to do a Pilgrim's Thanksgiving this year, yeah, and you want to rock the buckles and hats and collars and stuff, wear a blue one, just because it's more accurate. And rhinestones and glitter. Sure. That was totally true. Sure. Although it is, it is actually there is some evidence now that they did the uh, the Pilgrims did dry hand turkeys. Yeah, yeah, that's been that's been proven. That's been proven. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Because I mean, if if they had anything that first winter, yeah, it was crayons and construction paper. <laughs> Priorities, people. Yes, made from leaves. Yes, mostly. I don't know how they made the crayons, but the construction paper was made from leaves, more than likely. Um, I, I will say, we do owe this first crossing of the Mayflower a lot. Yes. And thanks to the procreation of those pilgrims, we have some rather notable people that have been left to us from history. And it might be worth just quickly mentioning a few. Okay. Please. Um, including eight presidents of the United States. Um, remember uh, John Alden I talked to you about, that mm -hmm. distant relative of the captain who stayed behind? Mm -hmm. uh, he would also go to have a child who would end up becoming the great-grandmother of John Adams, our second wow. president of the United States. And, of course, therefore, also the great-great-grandmother of John Quincy Adams, our sixth president of the United States. Uh, both of the Bushes... George H.W. and George W. also had... Uh, and maybe even and Jeb. Jeb, if we... if this, It's not going to happen, but, but... Yeah. Moving right along. He yes. is there, however. Um, James A. Garfield, Ulysses S. Grant, um, Herbert Hoover. These are just a few um, who yeah. ended up actually being descendants from the Mayflower. Actually, um, my... Including Franklin Delano Roosevelt as well. My boyfriend's mother... They can trace her family back to the Mayflower. There you go. However, awesome. my family, on my dad's mom's side, they were here before the Mayflower. Man. Booyah. What? <laughs> what? You see, no. folks? You see? Uh, we can also thank the Pilgrims for Julia Child. Oh, really? Clint Eastwood. Nice. Richard Gere. Uh, Hugh Hefner. Thanks for that one, guys. That's freaking irony if I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there's got to be one crazy outlier, right, of all the I'm pretty people. sure he has a buckle oh. on a smoking jacket, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Marilyn Monroe. There we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so two outliers. Uh, George Orson Welles, interestingly enough. Mm. And Dick Van Dyke. Um, thankfully, John Lithgow. Thank yep. God for that. And yep. Catherine Hepburn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some pretty, pretty fantastic uh, actors. Um, so some, some good folks. Thank you, Mayflower. Yeah, thank you, Mayflower. You've boosted our pop culture. What would we have done without them? Oh, and Bing Crosby. What would we have done without hey, them? Hey. Still populated Bing, America. 
If there had been no Bing Crosby, there would have been no White Christmas, folks. That's true. And as we edge toward the holiday season ever so closer, ever so... What's the word I'm looking for? Sarah, English major. I don't know. What are you trying to say? Frighteningly? Frighteningly? As we're we're trying to get closer to the holiday season, you were kind of halfway there. You just had your words all weirded. Yeah, you did. Uh, As we approach the holiday season ever more suddenly. There we go. There we go. That's where it is. There it is. Great radio. Uh... I think it's important that we go, we, we look back and we think about those kind of, kinds of things. So, with that, why don't we get into some listener feedback? Yes, please. This week in listener feedback. I actually have some listener feedback for myself. Okay. Um, with a correction. I believe I said eight presidents. Uh, I'm recounting 10, 11, 12. I think it's 12. Wow. Actually. And I, I remember, folks, it's Eric counting, so I'm probably so counting wrong. practically a quarter of the presidents. Yeah, let's just say a lot of presidents yeah. were descendants from the Mayflower. And we'd like to thank you, Eric, for sending in that feedback and uh, remind you to keep listening and share with others. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. We did get a couple that we wanted to read last time, but we couldn't, so we're going to read them this time instead. Uh, one is from Pete, and he, he just wanted to offer some commentary about Sean Kong, our um, video games episode. And this is more specifically the first part of it. And he says, hey, guys, I've been loving your episodes ever since I listened to the punk one whilst on holiday in Lanzarote. I so know he's saying that word wrong. He's been listening for a month. All yeah. right. A couple months. Yeah. Whatever. That's awesome. Hey, That's dude. That's good. I like we, it. We got a backlog. New listeners. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got a backlog. Enjoy it. Uh, there were absolutely lots of things that I felt differently uh, having grown up in the UK during the 80s and 90s. Hey, UK listener. Another UK listener. You're mm-hmm. in good company. I'll put that little dot on the map over here. Yep. We've got like 20 dots that we can put for the UK. Um, having grown up in the UK during the 80s and 90s. But as with all music, there are no hard lines and it's all fairly subjective. So he had some distant, different views about punk. That's okay. Yeah, punk. music is very, very yeah. subjective. <laughs> uh, he said, I would have loved to hear your opinions, however, on such bands as The Damned and even The Cure, who, whilst now regarded as the quintessential goth band of the 80s, released a fantastic punk album in 1979 with Three Imaginary Boys that is not... It's meant to be mm-hmm. band called Three Imaginary Boys, not with three boys who weren't actually there. I was going to say, because that doesn't seem like it would be... I think the album is Three Imaginary Boys. The album name is Three Imaginary Boys. Again, but the way the sentence is phrased, it sounds like they released an album with three boys who weren't actually there. That doesn't um, sound terribly successful. I got to say, The Cure is pretty awesome. I I do... Yeah. I'm sorry, The Who? The Cure? I thought you meant The Who. As a joke. Okay. The Who has nothing to do with that genre of music. I don't know yeah. anything about music either. Clearly uh, you don't. Now, that was him digressing. Mm-hmm. Pete continues, anyway, the point of this email is, as referenced, the great episode, Sean Kong Part 1. You absolutely hit the nail on the head by referencing that Nintendo started as a playing card company, but it was actually earlier than the 1940s, as I stated, so that was my, my bad. Sorry about that. Uh, it was, in fact, actually since the 1880s. 1889 to be more specific, and continued to make cards up until the late 1950s. So, cool. Good to know. Uh, I hope you see this as a merely my being involved in the discussion. I'm certainly not correcting you in any way. Well, no, it was a correction, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Corrections are welcome as yeah. long as they're done in good spirit. And you're adding to the conversation, which is, this is the kind of feedback we like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, thank you. No need to apologize. And this last part is definitely the part that I like. Yes. If you're ever in the UK, let me know, and we can discuss 
some local history here in Bristol over a bevy or two or three. Kind regards, Pete. Pete, thank you so much. Love it. Thank you for the invitation. If we are in the UK, we'll have to email you since you gave us your email. If you guys want us to go to the UK, you can donate to us at nerdonomy.com. Yes. Or just uh, buy us plane tickets. Buy us plane tickets, exactly. But not boats. We're not going by boat. Aww. I'm not going by boat. I want to take the Titanic route. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. Because I'm insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can. You just need to have some really, really good lighting so you can avoid any icebergs. Yes. Indeed. Anyway. So this feedback comes from Susan. And I'm sure you guys are thinking to yourself, wait, wait a minute, didn't Eric just read some feedback from Susan not that long ago? In fact, he did. Yes. In fact, he had to give a little bit of an apology. Yes, I did. Yeah. And the subject line is apology. And this time she's apologizing. And I want to just state right now, Susan, you have no reason to apologize. But thank you for doing it anyway, regardless. Still, no reason at all. I will read it, however. Uh, it says, Eric, I feel that I must apologize for a comment um, uh, from a previous post. I didn't mean to imply that you were disrespectful of Christianity. My issue occurs when you caution listeners, and rightfully so, to treat other religions with respect, but when it comes to Christianity, uh, to my feelings, you are a bit flip. Uh, again, you meant to say flippant? I believe she meant to say flippant, which I yeah. did use as well. Again, I apologize for sounding so harsh. I heard my feedback when listening to the Mostly Comet Pills episode. What cracked me up was that I listened to the End of the World episode about the time I found out um, that some website declared October 7th as the end of the world. Excuse me while I'm getting some brandy for my ice cream. I'm just picking up my knitting while waiting for the end. Maybe I'll get my hat finished. Um, <laughs> which, which, this by was the way, sent on October 7th. Yes, and we are so recording funny. this on October 11th, 11th right now yeah. yeah so we clearly made it guys we're good we're good we're good and for now susan i hope you finish that hat um and again thank you for communicating back i, I think that's this is very gracious it's a very gracious thing and totally. um and i don't think that your your comments were um out of line at all and in fact i think it opened up some really great dialogue and caused me to have some really good reflection too so absolutely uh susan you are awesome and we have one more from a guy who chooses to call himself Gregory. I think that's kind of a cool name. Uh, unless Craig is actually short for Gregory. I don't know. I've never heard Gregory. Not typically. Okay. But, I he mean, may he may have also have, misspelled he, his name. He could have been. No, he didn't. Uh, oh. He could have been actually named Gregory. You never know. It's possible. Do you want to read it, Sarah? It's sure. about mostly comet pills. Yeah. Uh, it says, uh, I love how you can take things that are well known, like comparing different parts of religions to the time periods they came about and making these connections that I never noticed before. I love learning new things. Every podcast, you guys are amazing. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you. Keep up the amazing feedback. Yes, indeed. <laughs> what a way to end the show with our egos being stroked. I feel pretty good about ourselves. I don't know how you guys feel. No, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Good. I'm feeling good. And um, I just did some immediate research here, and uh, I don't think Gregory's a real name. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. I mean, you don't. People make up names all the time. Hold on, or I'm checking baby namepedia right now. It wait, could whoa, 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 whoa! If it's legally a whoa. name, then it is a real name, no, isn't it? No, shut the front door. Gregory's on, real name. I'm on babynamespedia.com. <laughs> Highly respectable. Babynamespedia.com. 
Uh, and what does Craigery mean? It's Celtic for rock. Well, that's Craig. Yeah, but it says the baby boy name Craigery has its origins in the Celtic language. Yeah, it has Craigery is a variant of the transcription of the Craig, name Craig. Craig has been a name for a very long right. time. Craigery is sounds like a mix between Craig and Gregory. Right, but this is. It, I'm, I'm just saying. But I'm it doesn't saying, matter. No matter both, what, will if you it's both so- stop for a second. No, let me finish. Okay. But if I it, wasn't finished. If it, well, you're, stop. <laughs> okay. I can settle this right now. All right. Okay. Because baby names Pedia, there's also behindthename.com. And this is a, I think a pretty well-respected genealogical site that talks about the where names come from. Surnames and first names. Gregory was not found. However, uh, the name that sounds similar to that is the Armenian word Krikor. Mm. So... K-R-I-K-R-K-O-R. So, if we look up Craig, however, we're going to get a very different story. Yeah. And it's probably closer to what you just used. So, basically, what I'm trying to say, though, is if somebody's using it as their name, it's a real name. Done. Because somebody's using it as, a, as their name. Therefore, yes. thusly, real name. Yes. So. And you're absolutely right, Eric. The, the word Craig does actually derive from Gaelic, yes. meaning crag or rocks so yes. gregory how wherever the origin of your name comes from we embrace okay, you, you know what, we just, accept you just write back in to say if you made it up or if your parents actually named you that just i would like to just say <laughs> on the record that i believe he was born gregory can we just seriously write us back because you have now allowed us <laughs> to pick up like three or four minutes of our podcast <laughs> Just discussing the origins of your name. Just whether discussing it's real. Gregory. <laughs> so. We're it's really tired. It's we, his name. Guys, it's late. So. Respect Gregory. If you want to write into us and tell us a fake name or a real name um, or to discuss the origins of names, you can do so. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sarah. You can do so by um, hitting, hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're just at Nerdonomy. Search us. You will find us, I promise you. Um, you can also go to our website, nerdonomy.com. You can click the Talk to Us button and email us through there. You can um, also go through our blog, go through our merch page, go through an affiliate link for an advertisement and give us a little bit of money. Or if you want to give us money directly, just click the Donate button. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, but the most important thing that you can do is uh, review us on iTunes, review us on Stitcher, and tell your friends. Uh, we like listeners, and we like listener feedback, and we want to really um, expand our nerd community and, and build Build a wonderful internet community like we've already been doing for the past few years, but we want to get bigger. We want to take over the world, and we need your help. We can only do that if you spread the word of nerd. Mm-hmm. You want Sarah to be your dictator. You have a responsibility. I mean, it does say on, on the what website. What would be your nickname, that I... though? That's the thing. Because I... every Gregory has a nickname. Oh. There's like the leader. There was you no know, El Maestro, which was... Castro's name. There is, of course, Il Duce. Il Duce. Yeah. Right? The Fuhrer. If you Il would Duce. like to suggest my dictator name, uh, you can do so by going to nerdonomy.com and clicking the talk to us button. All right. <laughs> I want, no, I want I want to source that. I feel like you can't give yourself your own nickname. That's true. You, it must be given to you. Yeah, it must the be given. The precognitive one. Oh, I like that one. The precognitor. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. 
folks, it is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. Adios. Oh, no. What? No. What? No. What? You know what else? You know what else they left us? Dan Quayle. Oh. God. Is it too late to send him back? <laughs>